Welcome to the Sparkle Motion Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies, films, and TV. And more specifically this week, we're talking about Isle of Dogs and Ready Player One. Now, I'm your host, Keir Young, and I'm joined by what can only be described as the king to my Rex. It's Joseph Yarrow. Oh. Woof. Bark. Woof. Woof. Ow. <laughs> Hi, Keir. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much. This is the first time you've come on the show. It's nice to you've be been here. You've a regular contributor to the show, but um, never actually appeared on. So I get the odd shout-out, don't I? You do get the odd shout-out. Yeah. yeah. And just for that, we are mostly great. Thanks. Just a disclaimer okay. to how many listeners? Uh, we have tens of listeners. Literally tens. Probably 19, excluding you. I listen for you and Luke. Um, I'm not a film watcher. However, it just so happens that the other week I watched two films in one week at the cinema. Is that so, more than what you've seen in the past year at the cinema? Yeah, by far. Yeah? Yeah. I'm not a cinema nice. goer. Um, it's expensive. Um, and when you have movie pass. No, it's true, but I'm not going to buy a movie pass, am I? True. Man, you, you've got a beautiful cinema near you. What is it, Scott's? Scott Cinema's in Henley's. Um, yeah. the, and that's cheap as well. Yeah, £5.50. Uh, so you, I could watch three films. And still be under budget of what my movie pass costs. Yeah. Shout out to Scott Cinemas. Well, yeah, like we said, we were talking about Isle of Dogs and Ready Player One. So let's take it away with Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Wes Anderson. I had a little checklist for this film. Yep, go on. Okay, monotone dialogue. Check. (laughs) Father issues, which wasn't a check, I would say, because there was no father to have any issues with. Okay. And uh, I suppose there were family issues, weren't there? Uh, and then all the, the usual um, shots. Now, Joseph, yeah. you are a professional photographer. I'm a photographer. Well, you were a professional photographer. Now you're a photographer. <laughs> so uh, I was, yeah, I was hoping that you could maybe bring, bring some of your enlightenment and your experience, maybe talking about a bit of Wes Anderson because I I know that he's been quite an influence on your pictures in the past um okay you're terrifying me now Wes Anderson's films you're familiar with them uh you can spot a Wes Anderson film from a mile away can't you yeah but I think that's any sort of cinephile yeah that's right in my opinion this film didn't disappoint with its visual delicacies it was yeah it was spot on throughout wasn't it yeah um, everything's shot straight on. Everything is as symmetrical as possible. The color palette is it is in this film just as all the other films is incredible. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I suppose we should give some context, really. Set in Japan, Isle of Dogs follows a boy's odyssey in search of his lost dog. Right, I suppose that's all you need to know, really. But yep. I did about fifteen minutes in. Um, long story, but I got called up by the police 
and um, which is a true story. And I had to leave the cinema for like three minutes, and I think I missed quite a big sorry what scene. Um, I found a pram on a bridge above the River Mersey, and I thought that's a bit weird. So I phoned the police up, told them all about that. I mean, that <laughs> could be a Wes Anderson film in itself, or it a short film. Um, yeah, <laughs> Stephen King novel or something. And um, yeah, basically, I phoned up. Because it just freaked me out. Who leaves a pram on the top of a bridge over the river? That's Yeah, and it was like a mama's and papa's one, so they're like 400 quid prams. Have you been pricing up prams? Um, no, but I've heard many of my friends talk okay. about the price of prams. <laughs> Shout out to mums and papas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I knew, oh, they're going to give me a call. Because I'm trying not to turn into one of those irritating codgers that is always ringing the police when they see something. But I rang up the police once about a swan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I Can I have, have it? Yeah, I shouldn't have. They just, it, it was a 20 minute phone call, but they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they did say at the end, you should have just rung RSPCA really. Right. Yeah. So you put in your, uh, your tax. Hold on, RSPCA, is that children? Uh, RSPCA, animals. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're kind of getting, well, no, we're back onto the, uh, back onto the film talking about animals. That was my segue. <laughs> Uh, one thing I really enjoyed was the fight scenes in this film. Yeah, they and were they were uh, cartoonish, weren't they? They were, and the way that all the smoke and the steam in the film was all done with, with like uh, cotton wool. Cotton, cotton wool. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. That it was a little bit kind of distracting, even <laughs> though it was nice. It was like, oh, there's that cotton wool again, because it was so obviously cotton wool. Because there's a scene in the steam room. Steam room. Yeah, I think the I think the Kobayashi guy. Oh, right, uh, okay. Maya Kobayashi was in the uh, in the steam room. Oh, in the steam. Sorry, the steam room. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And uh, and there's all this steam, and I thought, oh, it's really nice. But it was just very, a bit, almost a little bit distracting. But I quite like the way they got, they got past the the fight scenes it, with it being a PG by just covering him in covering cotton wool, up. like yeah. a like a like a I don't know 1960s cartoon where they'd just be in smoke, wouldn't they? they it, was, fighting. it was brilliant, wasn't it? That, it was nice, and and also it it um it showed elements of well it 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 reminded the audience that 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 these are just dogs, yeah, and dogs fight. Yeah, true. There was a few little gruesome bits like the the sushi scene and what have you. But one thing that kind of did distract me a little bit was just the fact that you've got all these these usual actors that are always put in. Wes Anderson films like Ed, Ed Norton and Bill Murray, Bill Murray. and Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. and you're watching it and you kind of almost just feeling like you're watching them. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing because we love all those guys anyway. For me, I, I was thinking, is that Bill Murray? Is that Bill Murray? Yeah. I wonder if that one's Jeff Goldblum because I'm, I'm not great with, with the voices and, and I love those guys. But I think Bill Murray is just in Wes Anderson's films just because they're mates by the sound of it. Yeah. He, he didn't particularly get a, a huge part. No. Um, his biggest part was in Rushmore, I think, when he was one of the main characters. But I, I couldn't... Who did who did Bill Murray play? He played... The King, I think. Right. Your boss. Boss. Yeah. The, 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 the baseball dog. All right, yep. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you hear Yoko Ono in there? She was at the end, was she? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I kind of... One thing I will say about it, as much as I enjoyed, I kind of felt like there was a funny mixed messaging in there somewhere, like the whole fact that they were getting rid of the 
the dogs. And I feel like that when I went out and talked to the policeman, that <laughs> it's, I must have missed something because I've never felt at the end of a Wes Anderson film that I'm confused by the storyline. Yeah, okay. And and for me, that I need to watch it again, I think. Yeah, likewise. Um, but it yeah. isn't up there with my top three Wes Anderson films, though. Okay, so what are your top three Wes Anderson films? Number one, I'm glad you asked, Joseph. It's Darjeeling Unlimited. Okay. And it's more a case with that film that it was, I think I was about 2007, I think it came out. Okay. And I must have been about, well, 2007, I would have been about 18. Mm. And I remember going to see that, the first film that I took Sonia to the cinema to see. And I felt like the coolest guy. Mm. It's a cool film. It is. And I was like, yeah, like I'm 18 and <laughs> I'm doing these cool things. <laughs> and then after that comes number two is Life Aquatic. And yeah. then number three would be um, Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Uh, my number one. Is Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Number two is Darjeeling Limited. And number three is Rushmore. Right, okay. Oh, I love Rushmore. Do you? Yeah. See, Rushmore isn't really up there for me, but uh, and I don't understand why you, what, why you like it. The yeah. only one I haven't seen, actually, is uh, Ball Rocket. No, I've not seen that one. But yeah. that's very hard to, to get a hold is of. It? Yeah, I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime, but you need to, you need to rent it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, even though I don't pay for Amazon Prime. I watch it on yours. Yep. Damn right. <laughs> so over under, Joe. That's what oh. we like to do on this oh, show. No. Okay. We, we put it in between a, uh, a film. Now I feel like it's almost unfair to over under it in comparison to other Wes Anderson films. Mm. So I was thinking maybe would you over under it in stop motion animation films, being a Bristolian yourself, the home of uh, Ardman. Well, how about Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah, yeah, that's Wes Anderson and that. stop stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just poo pooed your whole Ardman thing. You. Sorry, I will. I was trying to bring it home for you. Yeah, I know. Thanks. I will put it above Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I need to put it under. Yeah, you do. I need to put it under something. I'd forgotten this was a regular feature of your podcast, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, regular listener here. While I enjoyed this film, Joseph, I thought none of the dogs ever came close to the charisma of Preston and Wallace. Gromit. <laughs> or is it Gromit? I'm getting these names mixed up. Wallace and Gromit. Gromit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so Preston and Gromit from the Wallace and Gromit films. And they neither of those even talk. Uh, Preston at one point was a robot dog. Yeah. Uh, so Plenty of robot dogs in the Isle of Dogs as well. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't you didn't feel like that relationship that that there wasn't that same charisma. Also, I've got nostalgia on my side as well with Wallace and Gromit, so it's kind of unfair. A close shave, Wallace and Gromit, nineteen ninety five. Whoa, it's not like it's not a, you know any negative on them or anything. Like, mm. I mean, come on, that's like if you're just under Wallace and Gromit, then you're up there with the best, aren't yeah. you? Good on them. You know? But if we were going to do it with a... I feel like we've gone off on a tangent here and uh, me trying to bring in other animated films isn't working out very well. So over under, it's definitely over Fantastic Mix to Fox. Under, probably under the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Um, can I be lame? Yeah. And copy you exactly? That's fine. I'm really we sorry. We like to be in agreement on this show, George. Yeah, well, it doesn't... It's not 
imaginative, but I think you nailed it there. Well, you know what? Sometimes we don't even put it in the shelf. Mm, okay. So at least it's there. Well, it was always going to be there. I mean, come on. In general, I thought I Love Dogs was a gift for the eyes rather than for the brain. Okay. Uh, it, it was amazing to look at, but the storyline didn't it didn't make me feel anything. Mm-hmm. I'm a cat person rather than a dog person, so that probably didn't help. Yeah, uh, I just need to watch it a few more times, and that's that's not a problem. I'm happy to watch yep. I Love Dogs two or three more times, and I will. Right, so Joe, we also saw Ready Player One. Ooh. My name is Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. Now I've been pretty pumped about this film for quite a while. You read the book, didn't you? I did read the book, yeah, and um, on the many occasions that uh, I've watched films and thought, oh, I'd quite like to read the book, especially with uh, Steven Spielberg films, and I've gone on about this way too much in the past anyway, I kind of wish I hadn't read the book now. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Why is that? Uh, Because at certain points of the film, I was watching it and just thinking, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some blurb. Yeah, go for it. When the creator of a virtual world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give them the keys to the Oasis. Basically, if you get the Easter eggs, you own the Oasis. Okay. So this blurb is from the film or the book? From IMDb. Yeah, okay. I was watching it and I was thinking, that's wrong, that's different, that's different. And then it got to a certain point in the film where it was completely different. And I thought, actually, this is good now. At least it's so different. I don't even have to worry about my own spoilers. So it didn't spoil it for you? No, it didn't. In in the long run? Yeah. In in hindsight, yeah, I wish I hadn't gone in having read the book. Mm. But I'm still glad I read the book because the book is very good. Um, It's not the best writing, really. There's about... 30, 40 uses of the word classic where it's making a reference to something. So it says like, oh, Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon, a classic ship. Well, why is it a classic ship? Yeah, okay. you got to say more than just being a classic ship. That's like saying Millennium, Millennium Falcon, a really nice thing. Yeah. So, oh, oh, brilliant. Okay. Really- <laughs> oh, that was a really nice thing. No, why is it? No, because it did the Kessel Run in 12 sec- parsecs. You know? I'm nodding. And... Yeah, like it's not like other Corellian freighters, you know. The cockpits on the left hand on the right hand side, you know. Describe mm, it a bit. Yes. Describe it a bit. I understand you know? what you're talking about. So, completely. Um, so yeah, in the book it doesn't necessarily do that. Whereas in the film, I think, um, it, you know, it's, you can see these iconic things from pop culture history, and uh, you know, you enjoy them for what they're worth. Okay, uh, a lot of the references went straight over my head. And that's okay. I, I still really enjoyed it. Do you know, I think that's a good thing, though. 
what the, the references went yeah, over my head. I saw one one or two videos on YouTube saying like 400 references. Yeah, saw that. You're like, no, that's not what you go to films for. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit there and just be like, almost like a little clip counter in yeah. my hand. Oh I, oh, I got that one. Oh, I yeah. got that one. Oh, yes. I got that and you didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a bigger nerd than what you are. No, yeah. Just, just enjoy it. I'm quite pleased I went um, during the school holidays. Uh, so the, the the film was packed and it was all these young families. Yeah. And there was just one guy similar age to me in the back corner. And you could just, every time there was the slightest little bit of a reference, <laughs> he was like, ah, ah, I get that. Ah, I understand because that's... Shut up. I don't know. Yeah, some sort of Nintendo reference. And you're like, yeah, yeah we get it that's fine just because you recognize it doesn't make it funny yeah it's a bit like when you're at a concert and you're next to someone who thinks that they're a bigger fan yeah and they're singing the words what you are. three seconds before yeah Ugh. no I, I i've been that person <laughs> before so i'm sorry everyone okay uh what did you think of the characters the characters yeah art is it artemis artemis yeah yeah artemis uh, and uh Parcival. Yeah, I mean, that poor girl, like, I mean, obviously she wanted to live her entire life in the Oasis because she was inflicted with a, an appalling skin disorder, wasn't she? Appalling skin <laughs> disorder. <laughs> like, she made out, you wouldn't like me in the real world. And then he meets her and she's like, she's just got, what is it, a port wine yeah. mark on her eye? Yeah. And if anything, that makes her look actually a bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. There was no mention made of the fact that Parsifal looked completely different yeah. in real life. He looked like a fat Andy Samberg. <laughs> and th- there was no mention of the fact that he might be completely different to his avatar. His avatar looked like um, some sort of Japanese yeah, like anime character. I, I don't know. Sorry. If manga villain. Manga, yeah. Yeah. And they meet, they meet in real life and... She's not puking everywhere because of the sight of him. You know, it, everything's about how 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 she looks, and I I found that a little bit cringy. It didn't spoil yeah. it at all. I just thought, oh, come on, you know, why does it have to be about her image? Uh, the, Did you like Ben Mendel Mendelssohn? Sorrento. He was the, the baddie. Yeah. Uh, classic Steven Spielberg baddie, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, lots of money. And no heart. Yeah. I liked him. Well, I, I didn't like him, but yeah. Yeah, in the book, I really disliked him. Mm-hmm. And he was seems like a real sleaze, sleaze bag. But because I like Ben Mendelsohn so much, and he seems like such a nice guy when you see him interviewed, because oh, okay. he was in Rogue One. Right, okay. So I was just watching. I was, you know, obviously, I was still riding that, that Star Wars wave, you mm. know, of new Star Wars. Like, this is our second new Star Wars film. I was just consuming every little bit of video or interview I could. Sure, and yeah. Ben Mendelsohn seems like such a nice guy. Plus, he's really into video gaming as well, so he was bringing a bit of that up as well. Mm. And um, I kind of almost was like, oh, I really like Ben, ben Mendelsohn <laughs> so much, so it's my own bias that's getting in the way of like the villain, yeah. you know? But So do you think he made a good villain? Yeah, he did. He did, because at, like last film I saw him in, in... Um, yeah, Rogue One. He played a brilliant villain then. I think he plays a bit of a villain in um, the Batman Dark Knight trilogy as well. He's in oh, okay. there. Yeah, right. yeah, really good. I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, can I just throw another thing in there? Yeah, go for it. Um, so something that annoyed me a little bit was when these characters showed their real faces 
Yeah. And it was almost as if they wanted the audience to be shocked at how, how these characters looked in, in real life because their, avat- their avatars played were a completely different person. But there wasn't enough character development for me there. Right, okay. For me, there wasn't that shock. I, I didn't think, wow, it's a 11 or 12-year-old boy because... Yeah, it's like, okay, get over it, I'm 11. Like, sorry, that was my Asian impression as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah I, and for me, I was like, yeah, I'm over it already. Yeah. Because I I didn't, I wasn't thinking about what he was in real life. And there wasn't enough character development for those minor characters. And then they had a, they, they had a name, didn't they? That that group, what they called? The High Five. Yeah, the High Five. So, yeah, there was no real explanation as to why they were called that. But that's because yeah. they were the highest five on the Ah, thanks. On the, okay. <laughs> on the scoreboard. Right, okay. uh, but no, you're completely right in that as well. And with that character, H, uh, who's played by Helen, um, the black, oh, yeah, yeah, the black yeah. girl. Like, obviously, like that's that's quite a big deal in the book. But then when in the film, he just jumps into a van and she's like, deal with it. Yeah. And that's it. But then the two, um, oh, I think it's called Show and Dato. Okay. Yeah, the those two Asian lads. Like it just felt like they'd been put in there just for the sake of it because they know that as soon as the film came out, if they hadn't have put them in, it would, there would have been an uproar of people being like, "Oh, this film's inspired with all the manga," and then as soon as you have these two okay. Asian kids in the, in, you know, you took them out, so it felt like they were almost token characters. They didn't sure. really live up to anything, yeah. but they were just put in there because you know, to stop the uproar that would have come. Yeah, a bit like a a, um, a Blue Peter presenter who's of, well, not white British. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, maybe you could have done with maybe developing them a little bit more. But, I mean, it was a long film, wasn't it? Two hours, yeah, 22 that, minutes? Yeah. It's pretty long. I feel like there's too many characters. So when you compare it to Jurassic Park, like you've got, what, a good five five core characters there you know all their motivations but i feel like with spielberg and his directing now he apparently always comes under budget but his budgets are so high that he has no limitations right he said that this is one of the hardest films he's made but you know he's has he directed like 30 40 films now is he really and he's an absolute master he's an incredible director but I just feel like with his older films, like Jaws as well, like what do they call it? Uh, limitations breed creativity. Okay. Whereas with this, what limitations have you got? You know, you got is you know you got ILM making all your CGI scenes and what have you, and you doing do, a bit of do you think motion capture? Do you think he's peaked? Has Steven Spielberg peaked? Yes. Uh, he peaked did, in the nineties. Okay. Yep. Yeah. What was his peak? His peak for me, mate, Jurassic Park. Not the terminal. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just looking through. Did he direct the terminal? Apparently so. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's actually gonna. Uh, that's actually gonna mess up my quiz. <laughs> oh no! Right, so Joe, let's over under this because we're running out of time. Actually. Yeah. Sorry. So over under, where's it going for you in the? Uh, we've got we've got to put it up there with Steven Spielberg films. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first film that comes to mind is Hook. Yeah. Yeah. See, Hook doesn't hold up 
does it really when you watch it again. I don't know. Directed fifty four films. That's me. Apparently, Um, I've not seen Hook for a long time, so I'm going purely on childhood memories. Yeah. You know what? Yep. I'm going to agree with you there, Joe. You know, he uh, it's not up there with the Indiana Jones films or anything, because they are masterpieces, if you ask me. Apart from Curse of the Crystal Skull. But um, I'm going to put it under Adventures of Tintin. I didn't see it, but apparently it's very, Tintin very good. Is fantastic. Yeah, we're meant to be getting a sequel out to it soon as well. But I think it came out in 2011. Okay, as an absolute masterpiece of Tintin, I loved it. So yeah, putting it over Hook, under Tintin. I'm gonna put it over Hook under Jurassic Park. Or did did you say we're gonna leave Jurassic Park out of this? Or well, I... for me, Jurassic Park's like my. I'm often. Um, when an R and whether or not Jurassic Park's my favourite film of all time. Mm. Either that or Jaws. It's not my boats in it, Q. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, there is a boat in it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Joseph, would you like to take this week's Sparkle Motion podcast quiz? Yeah, I would. Let's try it. Now, I really appreciate this is going to be a difficult quiz because Luke was meant to be here with you to take this quiz. And we'll probably get, well, I'm saying we'll probably, we'll certainly get Luke's opinions on uh, Isle of Dogs and Ready Player One. How about if I give you some sound clips like, what do you think, Luke? And, <laughs> Luke, that's funny. And Thanks for that, Luke. <laughs> good one, Luke. <laughs> Does that help? That will, yeah, that's like you're giving me some clean audio there to use. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, Quajo, uh, so the quiz this week is taking place in the Oasis. Yep. So put your goggles on. Okay. Now, what do you win, I hear you ask? What do I win? Well, sorry. that's good that you're asked that. <laughs> it's not about what you win, Joe. Stop kicking me, kid. It's not about what you win. It's about what you don't win. Okay, yeah. And uh, if you get, let's say, half of these questions right, you won't get a VR kick in the balls. Okay, lovely. Like Sorrento. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, now each question is a setting or a world inside the Oasis. I'm really nervous. And you have to guess firstly what world we're in. An Easter egg, if you will. Okay. And then cool. you have to answer the question. Yep. So uh, we'll just plow our way through this, shall we? Mm, well, all right. You got your goggles on then? Yes. I'm going to have to work on some, uh, some sound effects for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ah, Joe, isn't it lovely out here on the big blue? Oh, there's the orca. They're going to need a bigger boat, if you ask me. And this is where I say, it's Jaws. Well done, Joseph. <laughs> That's one point. You're probably best keeping a, 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 a score of your own points. <laughs> now, Joseph, uh, while, while filming uh, Jaws, the mechanical shark carried on breaking down. Now, what did the casting crew nickname the shark? Which is also the name of the shark in uh, Finding Nemo as well. Bruce? Hey, well done! There you go, Joe, you've got two points. Ah, oh, breathing that salty sea air. Ah, <coughs> right, okay, well, unfortunately, we're staying in this world. We're going to carry on doing a little bit of sailing. Okay. Okay, then, so uh, let's keep going. Ah, oh, look, it's Wilson, everyone's favourite volley- volleyball. And there's a man over there on an island calling out, Wilson! Wilson! Where, where, where are we? 
Oh, where are we? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, Castaway. Well done, Joseph. That's three points. You're doing well. Well done. You might need to hold the microphone ever so slightly. Close. Yeah, sorry. Get some good levels. Okay, so how many times have Tom Hanks and Spielberg collaborated? I got this wrong as well when I made the question. And I mean this in collaboration as in actor and director. Okay. Um, you mentioned the terminal earlier, and I'm not so sure that that was... Okay, he was in the post recently. Yeah. The terminal. And I'm just going to stop rattling off films, because <laughs> I, I I don't know. And I was only just looking at IMDb. I wouldn't have oh, got right. those two otherwise. Oh, catch me if you can. Well done. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say six. Six. Well, the answer I have is four, and I'm not 100% sure that's even right. So I'm going to give you a point for that one anyway, because mm. you did quite well. All right, thanks. Uh, but the answers I had were Saving Private Ryan, oh, yeah. um, Bridge of Spies, Catch Me If You Can in the Post. Okay, very good. Yep. Right, off to our next place. Paradise. Simply look around and do it. Where are we? Where are we, Joe? Well, we're in uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> well done. Well done. No, I didn't say Charlie. Charlie's chocolate factory. Hopefully, I can use the same lapping water sound effects as the uh, as the chocolatey river that is running past us right now. You're turning violet, violet. Hi. <laughs> now, speaking of chocolate, mm. in the hit film E.T. E.T.'s eating some chocolatey snack. Now, can you remember what the chocolatey snack was and what it should have been? Now, either answer to the question, I'll accept as a one. No, I can't. Uh, but I'm going to guess... You're five for five so far. Yeah. It's something like M&M's or Smarties. Oh, well, it should have been M&M's. Right, okay. Okay, but it was, in fact, Reese's, Reese's Pieces. Okay, sure. So there was a kind of a two-part question there, but I'll give you one point. So, uh, what are you? It's six for six now. All you um, need to get is one more, and you uh, you avoid yourself a nice kick in the balls. Okay. Okay, right. so uh, off to our next world. Wow, look. <gasps> They're moving in herds. They do move in herds. Don't get the reference, okay. <laughs> well, that's Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> right, okay, so I'm going to read you out four dinos now, and uh, you've got to name the following ones that are not real. Okay, so number one, Dilophosaurus. Number two, Triceratops. Number three, Brachiosaurus. Number four, Diathinkisaurus. Do you think he saw us? Is definitely a real, tra a real dinosaur because it ends in saurus. <laughs> um, no, and I'm not tops. I'm going to go for the last one. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's actually another one in there. The first one. The first one, yeah, Dilophosaurus Del or Dilophosaurus. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that sprays out all the venom. <laughs> yeah, with the funny, funny flaps on yeah, the side of its that. head. Yeah, apparently Steven Spielberg designed that one. No, 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 I, I, I want it to be more... Oh, sorry, Steven Spielberg just walked in the room. <laughs> Not now. We're recording a podcast. Go, go to your own area there, Oasis. <laughs> I don't know. All right, okay. Uh, clever girl, Joseph. Clever girl. Right, on to our next world. Didn't get that reference either. But... Go on. 
well, you see, I'm laughing because I get the references. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joseph, in this next world, you don't need money. You don't need fame. You don't need a credit card to ride this train. Okay. Um, mm, 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 is mm. that a Huey Lewis in the News song? It is. So that'll be Back to the Future. Yeah, well done. All it's right. 2015, and we're in Hill Valley, Back to the Future. Now there's a there's a plum there's a film playing over there in Hill Valley Cinema. What film is it? No, I don't know. This was all over people. People were wearing these T-shirts like non-stop back in 2015. Oh, was it August? It was 15. It was definitely a Wednesday because I had to go to the meeting and I couldn't go and watch uh, screenings of Back to the Future 2. I waited my entire life for Back to the Future 2 to come. Yeah. And I had to go to the meeting that night and miss all the... Great. Mm -hmm. So what's the question? So the question is, there is a film part of a very popular Spielberg franchise that's playing, and as he walks up to the cinema, it jumps out ah, at him. Ah, okay, like, yeah. Duck! Yeah, it's Jaws. Uh -huh. It's something like Jaws 11 or something Oh, like it's Jaws 19. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to give you that one, I'm afraid. No, fine. Joseph, put on yourself laces and nikes. Yep. Let's make like a tree and get out of here. Why do it have to be snakes? Can you hear the echoes? We're in a tomb. Yeah, see, this is where I got to come even with you, Kira. I haven't seen any of the... Um, see, I... have forgotten it as well. I, I've not seen any of those. <laughs> what? Um... I'm reaching for my tablet. Come on, you shouldn't, you shouldn't Google things you know. I'm using my brain. Um, and, uh, <laughs> no, and, uh, no, no. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen... You've not seen any Indiana Jones films? Not a single one. Oh, Joe. Well, I'm not giving you that question, tackle that point, because you've not seen it. Well, unfortunately for you, uh, the next question is, can you name me the timeline of the Indiana Jones films? Yeah, easy. Uh, two, three, one. Two, three, one. No. Oh. Sorry. Well, the thing is, these films came out, uh, so it was, came out, The Lost Ark was the first one, then Temple of Doom was the second one, The Last Crusade was the third one, and Crystal Skull was the fourth one, but Temple of Doom is actually a prequel. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, it's set a year before uh, The Lost Ark. So, uh, Sorry to disappoint. Talking of prequels, Joseph, on to our uh, next question. I've got a bad feeling about this. That's the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, we're in a spaceship right now. We're being shot at. A spaceship. A spaceship. Flying along, we're going through the Death Star. Hmm. Trench run. Okay. Oh, we've just been hit. R2, can you uh, can you give us? <laughs> can you do, can you fix our uh, thrusters? Uh, it was the first one. The first one. First Star Wars. Oh, there we go. Well done. Star Wars: A New Hope. Right. Okay. Now, back in 1977, Joseph. Nailed it. Uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were filming two films. Uh, George Lucas was filming Star Wars: A New Hope. 
and he had a bet of 2.5% of the film's take would be awarded to the other person for whoever's film made the most money and Steven Spielberg said no, your film will make more money than mine and Lucas said no, your film will make more money than mine sounds like a very boring argument Yeah. now that bet went on to lose George Lucas 40 million dollars goodness me because Steven Spielberg won it now what was the film that Steven Spielberg was filming at the time back in 1977 what was George Lucas doing so George Lucas was filming Star Wars A New Hope and he also was having a stroke as well how was he so a little playful bet here and there yeah why not down well 40 million just giving 2.5% of his film's takings away um I don't know Kier you don't know I'm going to go for Jaws no it was no, uh, a year later he was making the uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind oh was it really okay yeah which uh, didn't Space go Race. on to make a particularly massive amount of money okay and it's not a particularly good film either right okay I've tried watching it recently and I found it very very difficult I get that reference well done yeah. <laughs> so well done Joseph I can't remember what your score was but it was certainly more than 50% so you get to avoid yourself a nice VR kick in the balls thank you very which much which also doesn't make very much sense why would you have you know a, a suit that would go around your balls yeah so that when you get kicked you actually get kicked in the balls in the real world I think there's some grown-up answer to that. Probably not appropriate for the podcast. True. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Now, uh, obviously, uh, this episode is quite late because I've had technical problems. Uh, those being that I kicked the recorder last week and lost all my data. That's a shame. Yeah. Next week's episode, Joe, will be... Uh, and Luke. Our, uh, yeah, and Luke <laughs> will be our streaming movie of the fortnight, uh, which was... Meant to be uh, the Iron Lady. Yeah, sure. We recorded that episode and I lost it. Okay. And uh, we basically went through IMDb with our points, went on to the next uh, the next place, and we're going to be reviewing the one with the kids when they're uh, dancing in, in their underpants. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom. That's, there we go. That's a weird scene. Next film, next film we're going to be reviewing will be Moonrise Kingdom. That's a really weird scene, isn't it? It is a very uncomfortable scene. Yeah. So if you uh, maybe want to jot down your thoughts for that, you can drop them in and we'll... Uh, We'll put them on. Very good. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Joseph. Oh, it's nice to be here with you and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's been a pleasure. Thank well, you very thank much. you, and I hope that you come on soon. Yep. Again. Thank you for your wisdom and your wise uh, contributions. Mm, okay. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Oh, actually, no, we can't say goodbye. We've not told people how to get in touch. How do we get in touch? How do you get in touch? I hear you ask. You do that on Instagram and Twitter at sparkle underscore pod. And yep. you can email the show at the sparkle motion podcast at gmail.com. Now, thanks for listening. Or you can contact Keir, and I'm just going to read out his phone number. <laughs> Where is it? 07123456789. And his address is 123 Fake Street. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Da 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 da